Uh, our scripture today comes from John uh, chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. Um, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. And it was four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said about who um, had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought, us to, brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was one from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How, how do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He, he then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and de descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Well, my name is Lisa Watson. Uh, I am a volunteer pastor here. I'm delighted to get to share God's word with you this morning. I work for the Christian Community Development Association, which is a, uh, is a partnering organization to Christ City Church. So, um, man, I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time telling you about me because that's actually not the most important thing. Um, we've been in this series on John um, for the last couple of weeks, and we'll be going through the book of John for probably the next year and a half or so, um, taking some breaks in between. It's a study on belief. Uh, later on in the book of John, there's this thesis, and it says, All these things are written so that you may believe and have life in his name. So if you missed the first two weeks, go ahead and go back and listen on the podcast. Uh, you'll be blessed in doing that. The sermon today, I actually really wanted to call it Questions, Comments, Snide Remarks. Because I thought, well, that's something people can remember, and it's so cute. Um, but I couldn't write a sermon around that. So here's, here's the truer essence and what we'll be looking at today as we jump into the scripture. Um, the passage centers around one question, two invitations, and a promise. So, um, some of y'all don't like these turn and talk things, but I think they're kind of fun and it gets everybody a little bit connected and, and warmed up. So, here's the deal. 
Um, have you ever thought that you recognized somebody and then followed them to find out if it was them? Okay, so take a minute to think. Did you ever think, oh, that's, and you just kind of like, you know, turn and talk. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, fun stuff. I'm obviously not the only one who has had that happen. Um, well, our story today actually begins with a recognition and a following. So let's go ahead and jump in. Um, John chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 35, it says, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So, so, so the guys are hanging out, John and his disciples. We know there are two. One of them is Andrew. We find that out later in the passage. The other one is, is presumably John, the author of this book. It's not like written down anywhere, but lots of people um, tend to think that that is the case. So John the Baptist sees Jesus and he goes, look, it's the Lamb of God. And right in, in the hearers' minds, in Andrew's minds, what they would have understood that to mean is, that's the one who takes away the sins. In other versions of, of like Mark and Luke and Matthew, he actually follows up with that. It's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so he's pointing to Jesus, which John has been so relentless about, pointing to Jesus and saying, that's the one we've been waiting for. That's the Messiah. That's the Lamb of God. That's the one who's going to take away the sins of the world. So it wasn't really very common for, for, for rabbis or for teachers and prophets in that day to send their followers away. Um, but John knew who he was. He knew what he was supposed to be doing, supposed to be about. And so he stayed faithful. All right, so the two disciples, Andrew and presumably John, start walking behind Jesus and following him, like in a very like literal following. Um, and it doesn't say anything about, how, like, that's all the Bible says, right? But you've got to imagine, this is a real scene happening in a certain time and place. And so here's how I, here's how I imagine it. So J John the Baptist, look, it's the Lamb of God. And so Andrew and the other guy, and so they're following, they're following Jesus. And then they're like, say something. <laughs> no, you say something. No, you. And Jesus, ha, I hear them back there. And he turns around and he says to them, and this is the first thing that Jesus says in the whole book of John. He asks a question. What, what do you want? It's a beautiful question, right? The very first thing that Jesus says in this book of the Gospels is, what do you want? And I think it's a beautiful thing for us. Maybe, he, that, maybe that's the first question that he asks all of us, is what do you want? He's inferring here a relationship, right? He's a rabbi. He could have just said, let me teach you my dogma and put a bunch of rules out there. But he asks a question, inferring a relationship. I want to be part of your journey. What do you want? What are you seeking? He's not about dogma or ideology or religion. 
couple years ago, our church went through um, a curriculum that Justin wrote called Learning to Live. And early on in that curriculum, this was the first question that we considered. What do you want? How do we break up the non-stop of our lives and think about what we care about and our values and where we're going and what we really want to be? It takes some intentionality and it takes us sometimes to stop and ask ourselves, what do we want? <coughs> Father Ron Rollheiser in his book, The Holy Longing, said this, it's no easy task to walk this earth and find peace. Inside of us, it would seem something is at odds with the very rhythm of things and we are forever restless, dissatisfied, frustrated and aching. We are so overcharged with desire, with what we want, that it is hard to come to simple rest. Spirituality is ultimately what we do with that desire. What we do with our longings, both in terms of handling the pain and the hope they bring us, that is our spirituality. So the first question is, what do you want? Why did you come today? What are you looking for? What are you exploring? What surface thing do you want? As, as I was even going through my own devotionals this week, this question came up, but actually from an entirely different passage. And the devotional just prompted me to answer the question. What do you really want? Tell Jesus and talk to Jesus about what you really want. And my answer in the moment was, man, I, I want to write a sermon. <laughs> but I felt silly about that. Because the truth of it is that I know that's so like, like on the surface. And I felt like maybe I should want something that's a little deeper, a little more like holy or something. I don't know. But we all come with stuff that's right up on the surface. So what do you want? What's the thing that's on the surface for you today? That's okay to ask Jesus for. What's the deeper thing? I'm just going to give us like, just like 30 seconds to like take a nice deep breath and really think about it. What are you here for this morning? And what do you want? And so the disciples, the followers, were asked a question. And their response, it struck me at first as a little bit funny. Because um, I didn't understand the cultural context. But they're like, you know, they're like nodding each other. Get, you say it, you say it. And he goes, what do you want? And they go, where are you staying? But actually, that's kind of code for students and rabbis. Um, it's, it's a way of saying, hey, we want to be your followers. Because it was common back in the day for students to like actually stay with their rabbis. Um, that was a relatively common practice. And so it's code for, hey, we want to be your followers. We want to we come and we want to learn from you. Um, 
so that was what they said is, uh, hey, where are you staying? Um, and, and so he's like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, you can come and learn from me. Uh, and we're beginning to see then not just a literal, like following down the road as they recognize Jesus, but a figurative following of coming to belief. And so how does Jesus respond? Well, he responds with the first invitation. We have the first question, now we have the first invitation. The first invitation is come and see. The scripture says, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John said and followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So this invitation to come and see is an invitation to sight, but even more deeply, it's to insight, right? So sometimes we like see things without like really seeing them. We can see something without actually knowing it. And the invitation is about seeing beyond what we can see. So Jesus was like, yeah, come over to my place. You can see where I'm staying. It's a house. They probably had furniture. Their floors were probably dusty because it was a long, long time ago, and there wouldn't have been tile or carpet or hardwood. But he invited them in to see where he was staying. But that wasn't the only thing, right? He was inviting them to come and see what he did, see where he was staying, and also discerning his actions about who he was, asking them to consider believing in him and becoming his followers. So it says it was about four in the afternoon, which basically references it was too late for them to like walk to wherever Jesus was staying and then walk back to wherever they had come from. So there's this, they're going to be there and around for a while. And Jesus was offering them hospitality, saying, you can stay with me. Come and see where I stay. So it starts with hospitality to come and see and hang out in his house, but it, it extends to an invitation to know where he truly stays. And the Greek word for, for stays there is a word, um, menein, M-E-N-E-I-N, because I know y'all are going to go home and try to find that in your Greek Bibles. Um, that word actually comes up 63 times in the book of John, so it's significant. He wants us to pay attention, and he wants us to think about where we are staying, where we are dwelling, how and where we abide. So hang on to this, because it's going to come up again later on in the passage. He was inviting them to come to know where he stayed, where he truly was dwelling and abiding. So, cool invitation, right? You can come and see and really see. But how? Like, what does that mean for us today? Like, the, John and Andrew, they could go to his house. But what do we do today? How do we come and see? How do I move from sight to insight? And here's just a couple of practical things. The church is the body of Christ. 
It's, it's one of the ways that we extend hospitality to one another. This room is not a worship center every day of the week. This is an elementary school cafeteria. And our church comes and we set up and we transform this space into a place where we can connect and meet with God. Some ways that, um, that we can come and see, I mean, we come here and, and we prepare, some of us prepare this place. Others of us stand out in the halls and we welcome folks who are coming for the first time. And having been in, in no small number of newcomers' dinners, I hear it over and over. Man, you know what got me? How welcoming you all were. How hospitable you all were when I came for the first time. It's a beautiful act that we do just in making people feel welcome. And they feel welcome not just here, but they feel welcome with Jesus. And it's a way for us to make the connection to how people can come and see. There are other individual ways just by praying. Praying is a way to come and see. Reading scripture, practicing silence, learning how to listen to God. Those are ways that we come and we see. There's also an invitation to be known in this invitation to come and see. So um, when Jesus sees Peter, he doesn't just like see him. He perceives him. He knows him. He has insight into him, and he gives Peter insight into who he will become by changing his name. Uh, when he names him Peter, the meaning of Peter is the rock, right? And in some of the other Gospels, he says, you are Peter, the rock, and on this foundation I will build my church. So he's, he's like he's calling him forth, saying, I know who you are, I see you, and I know who you are going to become. And so there's an invitation to be known by Jesus. Matthew last week um, preached on knowing who we're not and, and knowing who we are. And I think it's so amazing that, you know, that the scripture sort of carries that theme forward into this passage today. When we encounter Jesus and when we walk with Jesus through life, we can know and come to know more deeply who we are. Uh, there's a man named John Vanier. He's a philosopher and a theologian and a founder of the L'Arche community, uh, which is an intentional group of homes for people with uh, developmental disabilities and for their uh, caregivers. Uh, Jean Vanier said it like this, doesn't a new identity emerge within us when we live in deep personal relationship with Jesus and discover in a new way who we are called to become? When we come and see, we're responding to an invitation to move from sight to insight, an invitation to be known and ultimately an invitation into relationship through belief. So we come and see. The second invitation in this passage comes in the following section. And the invitation is simply, follow me. The scripture says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also spoke, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. 
So here this section begins with Philip being found by Jesus. It just says he was going to Galilee, finding Philip. Jesus found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. And you know, sometimes like we're the seeker. We're, at least we feel like we're the initiator as we're, we're trying to figure out who Jesus is and what it means to walk in faith. And so we're searching and we're seeking. But here what we, what we realize is that's a two-way street. Jesus comes and finds us too. He's also looking. We're not the only ones that are looking. The seeking and the finding goes both ways. It actually reminds me of the 23rd Psalm, um, towards the end of that passage that says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know what that word is? Shall follow, it's pursue. It's the same word as like pursue. Surely God's goodness and mercy in the person of Jesus will follow me all the days of my life. Jesus, through God, is pursuing us. So Jesus finds Philip and invites him to follow. When we're found by Jesus, like Philip in this passage, we follow in the ways of Jesus by finding others. Andrew found his brother Simon. Philip found Nathaniel. What they had experienced in their brief encounters with Jesus was enough for them to know, man, this is phenomenal. I've got to do something. I've got to tell someone. I can't, I can't hold it in. There's a fire in my bones. I've got to tell someone. Whatever it was, Jesus was so f profound and refreshing and exciting that they just couldn't keep it to themselves. And I imagine there's been something along the way in your journey where you've just been so excited about something that you, you, like, you have to just tell whoever will listen to you. Um, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Um, mine was hot yoga. Um, my friend Meredith, uh, she invited me. She, she, she evangelized me into the ways of hot yoga. And she just said, why don't you come? Um, it would be great. And I was like, yeah, it would be great as long as I don't die. Um, so, so we made an arrangement uh, to go one morning very early. Um, and it was like you could do a $40 introductory month. Nothing is $40 in the exercise world. So like that's a bargain. Um, so I, I decided in my brain where I'm going to go, I'm going to try it. If I don't die, I literally said, if I don't die, <laughs> I'll probably sign up for the $40 introductory month. So we go together the first time. Um, Y'all, it was hot. <laughs> we decided to pick the back row in the middle because she said that's where I normally go. And I was like, cool, I'll do that. Um, and it was so hot. What you do when you can't do what the teacher is doing is you get in this thing called child's pose where you basically prostrate yourself on the floor. You're like laid out on the floor, surrendered. You can't do it anymore until your body recovers. And then you stand back up and you try and do whatever they're doing. At three times at least, I am on the floor trying to breathe because I can't breathe because it's so hot. <laughs> and I was terribly out of shape. Um, by the end, okay, so by the end, I'm actually having a hard time. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get up? 
how am I going to walk myself out of here? I'm feeling like this is probably not very good. Um, all, I, I do get up, and I walk my mat over there, and I'm like probably trembling. And all my bodily functions, they're like, and I know I probably will vomit, and I need to see a restroom right away. <laughs> this was my state, y'all. Um, so I did find a restroom. She could tell I wasn't doing well. She bought me a thing of coconut water. She's like, here, would you like this? Yes, I need something. I drink it. It was very cold. I think it bounced. I think it hit my stomach. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I got to get out of here. I head for the door. H Street got whatever I had had that morning. Yes. So I have a decision to make, right? Because this is, you go one time and you got to, you know, $40 or not, you leave. And I was like, well, I didn't die. <laughs> so sign me up. I signed up and, and probably went three times a week. I went as often as I could because the truth of it was I felt amazing when I was done after that first time. I felt amazing when I was done. And I couldn't help but tell everybody. Like, if you were in my presence, I'd be like, hey, have I told you about hot yoga? <laughs> and I told them good stories. I didn't tell them that one. <laughs> and that's a silly example. But friends, we, we follow Jesus. We follow the creator of the universe. We follow the lover of our souls and the creator of our beings. Man. That ought to get us really excited. What kinds of opportunities we have to share the joy and the love of knowing Jesus with our friends. We share what we're excited about and we invite others. And here's some great news. We don't have to know it all before we share. I didn't know, I didn't know the 23 poses of Bikram. I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. In this passage, we see a progression, right? Andrew and the other follower look at him, Jesus, at initially, and they go, Rabbi. And what's the next thing? What's the next title? They call him Messiah. And then the next one, when there's another invitation, it, it goes from Rabbi to Messiah to this is the one that the prophets and the and the people of the law that Moses wrote about. He's the Christ. And then they call him son of Joseph. <coughs> yes, but, you know, just only halfway right. And then Nathaniel, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. We don't have to know it all before we share what we do know. Our enthusiasm and genuine love for Jesus is reason enough to follow him by inviting others to come and to see and to follow. And you know what else I see in this passage is hard questions are okay. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? I wonder if it sounds like this today. Religion. Can anything good come from that? Church? Can anything good come from that? DC, 
Can anything good come from there? These are real questions that real people are asking, maybe even some of us in the room today. And those kinds of questions are absolutely okay. When Philip found Nathaniel, Philip didn't get like flustered. He just goes, come and see. When Nathaniel gets to Jesus, Jesus doesn't condemn him for asking a question and what's the word? And, and, and like criticizing his town. In fact, what he does is he says, you know what? You're going to see more. And that's the promise that we'll close with as we finish out this passage this morning. You will see more. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So there's a lot going on in this passage, right? That's kind of a lot. Here's what's happening on the surface. Jesus sees beyond the surface of Nathaniel um, what's going on with him and all his kind of criticalness. He points out the truth about who Nathaniel is and basically kind of compliments the critic. The critic believes because of being seen under the fig tree. And then there's a promise of greater things and a bunch of weird stuff about angels ascending and descending and whatever. Uh, so here's the deeper story. Jacob, the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham in the Hebrew scriptures, was cunning and deceitful from birth. The story goes, uh, he had a twin named Esau, and the story goes that Jacob, even when their mother was in labor, was pulling on Esau's heel so that Jacob could get out first and have the, the rights of the firstborn. So eventually, as an adult, in an act of calculated trickery, he conned his dad into giving him Esau's rightful firstborn inheritance and blessing. Jacob was cunning and deceitful. One day, Jacob falls into a deep sleep and has a dream about a ladder reaching up to heaven and the angels ascending and descending on it. God is at the top of the ladder and he speaks to Jacob, making a promise to Jacob that his presence will be with him and that Jacob's descendants for many generations would have the land that he was traveling on at that time. So, Jacob wakes up, and he remembers the dream, and he realizes that God was in that place. So he called that place, we say Bethel, Bethel. He called it Bethel. In Hebrew, the word Beth is house. El is God, the house of God. Later, Jacob had another dream where he wrestled with God, and God changed his name to Israel, the one, which means the one who wrestles with God. So, so bounce back with me to... To John. Jesus says to Nathanael, There is an Israelite, Jacob's name was Israel, there is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. A direct reference 
to Jacob and a stark contrast to him. And then there's a promise of seeing greater things. What greater things? Remember back to the beginning of the passage where Jesus invites Andrew and the other disciple to come and stay with him. He invited them to his house, yes, but he invited them to learn about where he truly, Menain, dwelled, where he truly dwelled. And the place where he truly dwells is in and with the Father. The story of Jacob's ladder ends with Jacob naming that place Bethel, the house of God. So see the connection that Jesus is making here? That the greater thing is that the heavens are opened. The Bethel, the house of God is open. Relationship with God is open. And the ladder that Jacob saw is no longer there because Jesus in this passage says, I am the ladder. I am the ladder. It says you will see the sun, you will see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That is Jesus. There's no longer a ladder because Jesus is our way. He is the way to the Father. He is the way of moving from sight to like to insight. He's the way of knowing, like Peter and Nathaniel, that we are known by our Creator. He is the way of getting our hard and sometimes cynical questions answered. And even when we've been following Jesus for decades, there is always more. Because the Father and the Son and the Spirit are infinite. There is always more. The heavens are open. The house of God and relationship with God is accessible for everyone who believes in Jesus. You will see greater things. You will see more. That you, that's not Nathaniel singular. That you in the Greek is plural. It was for everybody who was there that morning, out there in the fig tree place in Galilee. But it's for us too. It's for us in this room today. And it's for those who are sitting outside who have yet to come into a place where they can be seen and they can be known and they can be loved. It's a promise for us today. And I don't know where you came in this room today with, what you're, what you're carrying. But it could be great to hear that you're not stuck. You don't have to be stuck. That you will see more. More is available. Restoration is available. Liberation, freedom from your, from, from a captivity to sin or addiction, that's available to you through Jesus. As you, as you fight for justice, Jesus walks with you in that. If you feel like your life is full of ashes, you know what the scripture says? He can turn those ashes into beauty. If you feel like things are just meaningless, he's there to give you purpose and insight. Where are you starting today? They started with rabbi. They started with what they knew. Where are you starting today? Is today your day to finally say yes to following Jesus as far as you understand what that means right now? 
even if you've been a Jesus follower for a long time, how are you leaning in and knowing Jesus in new ways today? For all of us in the room today, the question, the two invitations, and the promise still apply. What do you want? Come and you will see. Follow me and you will see more. We're going to have a time of, of response um, and invitation. One of the, um, the first things that I think it's a beautiful thing to do is to take communion. We've had baptism. Now we can take communion together and remember what Jesus has done. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. And as you feel ready to come um, and take communion, that's available to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to come and remember. You might want to just come once communion is over. This carpet is here for you to come and pray. Whatever it is that you want, you can bring that here this morning. There will be people at the prayer stations on either sides of the room. And you can, you can go and you can let them know and they can pray for you. Um, let me go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll move on. Thank you, Jesus, that you um, invite us into relationship. And Spirit, we ask that you would work in our hearts. Help us to consider honestly what we want and to share that with you, to walk with you. And God, if there are those here this morning who have never said yes to you, I pray that today you have been working in them and that you would allow this to be the day where they move from spiritual death to spiritual life. Help us, God, to shed the things that keep us from following you faithfully. Give us hearts to respond. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.